this third, uh, this third F. And this is what we get when, we, when we're praying or we're focused on God and we're fasting. And, uh, and God really, he, he gives us this parable that, that's very significant uh, in the book of Matthew. And he says, you know, there's four kinds of seeds. And he says, there's one seed that fell on a hard ground and a bird came and devoured it. And the seed represents the word of God. And we are the ground. He said, you know, the second seed, it goes in ground, but there's too many rocks and there's too many uh, things in the ground. And so because there's too much uh, uh, blockage there, uh, the, the seed sprouts up, but the sun quickly kills it. And then he says there's a third seed, and we're going to look at this today. And the third seed is that it sprouts up and it's about to produce fruit, but it gets choked out by thorns. It gets choked out by thorns. And God really begins to tell us what this is like in our life, that, that what these thorns represent. So let's look at this. He says the fourth seed goes on good ground, and it produces 30, 60, 100-fold. It's fruitful. How many of you want to be fruitful? Now, fruitful is like fruitful on the inside and fruitful on the outside. God's word makes us fruitful. And so, so last week, we really... We really covered the first two of receiving God's word for your life and finding freedom, getting rid of those rocks. We're going to go on part three, part three, and we're looking at this. This is what Jesus did as far as explaining what this third seed meant that was choked out. I believe some of us can get choked out and, uh, with, with just life and just circumstances, but God has an antidote for those thorns so that you can thrive. Do you believe that? So Matthew 13, 22, Jesus is explaining it. He says, the one sown among thorns represents one who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions, say distractions, his divided heart and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message and it becomes fruitless. This is what God says. God says that there are distractions that want to keep you from you really being fruitful. Write this down. Don't let distractions steal from your destiny. Don't let distractions steal from your destiny. See, busyness does not equate, it does not equate productivity. Busy, busyness doesn't. What is the opposite of distraction? What is the opposite of antithesis of distraction. We're going to cover our fourth F that prayer and fasting really does in our life. And this is the fourth thing. Write this down. Focus. 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 Matthew 16, 26. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your only soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? God does this. He has this amazing ability Jesus is such an amazing teacher because he takes the complicated and he makes it simple. See, religious jargon and people that want to impress you, they try to make something. Make living for God and staying focused on God very complicated, but it's really simple. Jesus even explained it. He explained it and he said, you know, uh, let me make it simple for you. In Matthew 22, 37, he said, I'm going to sum up the whole Bible for you. Can we sum up the whole Bible right now? He said, let me sum up the whole Bible for you. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. 
Jesus replied, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And secondly, as equal important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. He said, let me make this simple for you. Let me help you focus. Say focus. Let me help you focus. Let's, let's not look on all the stuff that you feel like you have to do. As a matter of fact, I want you to focus on one thing. Because the Bible says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things come. So when we put focus on what God tells us to, to be focused on, then he gives us the grace for the rest that we have to do. And so God says this, first, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, now we cannot love God until we see first that he loves us. The Bible says that he first loved us, and the only reason that we can love God is that he first loved us. And so a lot of times we try to say, you know what, I'm going to love God with everything. But we're not seeing God in a proper lens that he loves us first. And our love for God is just a secondary consequence of his love for us. We love God because he first loved us. He says, okay, receive my love, and you're naturally going to love me. And then I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. See, you can't love others unless you love yourself. That almost seems like the opposite, right, of what you would think in Christianity. But he says, God's saying, I need you to know that I love you. I've got a great purpose for you. You are my workmanship. I want you to see that you have a great destiny. And there is no way that you can love others until you love who I made you. So a lot of times we can be our biggest critic, but I think we need to be our biggest fan. <laughs> Just like you would give grace to a friend, you need to give grace to yourself because God has given you grace and he's, he's, he believes in you. He's speaking life over you. Even right now, the Bible says he's at the right hand of the throne speaking better things over you. He is interceding on your behalf. How many of you are thankful that God believes in us? That God sees us through the lens of what Jesus did on the cross for us. So when he looks at you, he's not looking at your flaws or your faults. He's looking at the work that Jesus did in you. And listen, when you begin to know who you are in God, those things that are making you feel overwhelmed and condemned begin to fall off your life. The secret is not trying to strive to love God. The secret is to receive God's love, and God gives you a grace to love him back and love other people. And this is the truth. God says, love your neighbor as yourself. I want to just take the pressure off of you today and remind you that God wants you to be in awe with the creation that he made, which is you. I love David's uh, confidence with God. David literally says, God, you made a masterpiece. Some of you need to look in the mirror and say, God, you made a masterpiece. In other words, you're a piece of work. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a piece of work. See, God wants us to begin to see who we are in him. And when we focus on this, when we focus on because we have received God's love, we love others as ourselves. God says, I begin to do something significant in your life. Now, it is true, if the enemy 
uh, would try to do anything to, to stop you, he would try to distract you. He would try to distract you. Because God's mission and purpose for your life is very clear. And we're going to read that in a little bit. But the enemy would love to do everything he could or can to distract you. Uh, Lee and I love date nights. We had one last night. We're always doing date nights. And, you know, the only difficulty with our date nights, especially if we're like, Staying at home, watching Netflix or something. If we're staying at home, there, there is an issue. And the issue is, if we're wanting to watch something on TV or Netflix or something like that, there's too many options. Have you ever found this? The problem is there's too many options and we're like, should we watch this? There's like 15 options. And I, I miss that thing they used to have back in the day where it's like, hey, just pick for me. I don't even know. There's too many things to, uh, to look at. Just pick for me. And so the biggest contention before the, the date ever stops is what are we going to actually watch, right? Because there's too many options and you're like stuck. You're like frozen. It's kind of like a guy when he goes to the refrigerator and the wife says, get the mustard, and it's like right in front of him, but there's too many options, and he can't find it. Come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about? There's too many things. You're like a, de you're like a deer in headlights. You know, um, tiger tamers, the way that they keep a tiger from attacking them is they actually get a chair, and a chair has four legs on it, so we'll put that chair up, and with the tiger, he... There's too many options to hit, so the tiger just gets frozen. And that's what the enemy tries to do to us. He tries to get us distracted in all kinds of different things, but what God is wanting us to do is to focus. Because if you focus on what God wants you to focus on, God will take care of the things that you feel like you need to handle. He'll give you a grace to do it. And I'm telling you today, our Western society says, stay busy, 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 busy. Do a lot. But if we're going to be focused, we're going to have to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. That's the only way we really stay focused. And so Jesus made the complicated very simple. He even said, hey, when you pray... I'm going to give you an outline. Pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, give me this day my daily bread. What is he saying? He's saying, put God's mission first. Put God's will first, and then let's go to the rest. A lot of times when we go to God, we're trying to give him our list and God's saying, if you really want a grace in your prayer life, a grace in your life, come to him and see what, see what he wants first. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we begin to go to God, we're saying, God, let your kingdom come. Let your dream be done. Let me be a part of your dream. And I guarantee you, when you begin to focus on God's dream, He'll take care of your dream. As a matter of fact, God will begin to put desires in your heart. You know, there is a great commission that Jesus gave us. There's a great commission. And it's very, it's very simple. We make it complicated. But very few times do we make God's commission a priority. It's called the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. 
God says, okay, if you really love me, then get in my mission. And whenever we get in his mission, we notice that it takes submission. Submission means I'm getting under your mission. And when we get under his mission, we actually become who we are born to be. When we're trying to just do what we want to do before we do what God wants us to do, we get so distracted distracted and we miss out on the purpose that God has for our lives. And so Jesus made it very simple. Now, look, I love that Jesus said it's one thing for somebody to die for somebody that they love. It's a whole nother thing for somebody to lay their life down for somebody that doesn't even love them back. Jesus died for even the ungodly. Isn't that amazing? That even when we were far away, he died for us. Now, picture this. Picture that you did me wrong, like really wrong. I don't, I don't know, maybe you stole something from me. Maybe you made a major offense towards me. You did me wrong. You like kicked one of my kids or something. You know what I mean? Like something that's very offensive, right? And there was a situation that was a life and death situation. Somebody came and put a gun to your head, and I took a bullet for you. Pretty gruesome, but I'm trying to get the point. I took a bullet for you. Even though you did me wrong, I sacrificed my life for you, and afterwards, you actually read things that were in my will. Would you be thankful enough to read what I really desired and said, you know what, even when I was wrong, he still gave his life. I think you would actually do the things that was in my will, would you? You would say, he saved my life. He saved my family's life. What, what is his main desire? What's his main? Because I want to be able to honor him because I didn't deserve for him to save my life. It would, it's the same thing that Jesus has done. Jesus gave his life for us. And because we are overwhelmed by him giving his life and giving us life that we didn't deserve, that we live our lives for him. We say, no, what is your will? Man, I'm overwhelmed by what you've done for me. What is your will for my life? Can we just look at a glimpse of that? Now, Jesus, this is actually what happened. Jesus dies on the cross for the disciples, and he comes back and he says, this is my desire for you. I mean, this is a very, uh, this is a very serious moment where he dies, he, ra- he rises from the dead, he comes back, and he says, this is actually my desire. Can we read that? This is my commission for you. Matthew 28 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, say therefore. Whenever you see therefore, see what it's there for, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commandments that I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end. Isn't that amazing? Jesus comes back and he says, let me make it very simple. My main desire is for you to be overwhelmed by my love, that you're loving other people as yourself. And what does that look like? It looks like sharing the love of God and seeing God be multiplied in other people in the earth. 
That's God's dream. Look at your neighbor and say, that's God's dream. God's dream is for there to be disciples in the earth. What is that word disciple? That word disciple is a disciplined learner of Jesus. It is literally a follower of Jesus. How many of you want to be a follower of Jesus? I, I can tell you a lot about different religions, but, but like when you look at the life of Jesus, he came in a man form, God in the flesh, and the revolution that he started came from the way that he loved people. How many of you want to look more like that? And so when God saves our life, we say, not, we don't want to give our lives just because you're our savior, but we're giving you our lives like we give you our lives. I want to live a lifestyle like you. I am, I'm wanting to follow after Jesus. I want to look like him. I want to talk like him. I want to do the things that he did. This is the Lord that I follow. This is not the Lord that I admire. This is the Lord that I follow. So every single day, it is important that I'm saying, am I looking more like him? Am I following after him? Am I following after his word? Am I, am I, am I, Am I really loving my neighbor as myself? Am I really forgiving? Am I really reaching out and giving? Am I looking more like him? But a lot of times we see what God has done for us and we're like, thanks, God. Appreciate it. Appreciate dying on the cross. Now, just be a spiritual Santa Claus for me and come along with my life and all my lists and my desires. And God's like, hey, I will give you your heart's desires, but since I gave up everything for you, will you come along with my life and come with my dream, and I will begin to do the work that needs to be done in you. And so a lot of times we get disoriented. There's so many options. There's so many things going on that we forget to just focus on what God asks us to focus on. And really, when we do that, it pleases the heart of God. And so that's why fasting and praying is so important. And that's why we have church. The church is just a vehicle to help you fulfill your purpose. Now, we all have a function, and we all have a purpose. As Christians, we all have the same purpose. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a purpose. Your purpose is to win souls and make disciples as a Christian. That's your purpose. But we all have different functions. Some of you go to school. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are doctors. Some of you have businesses. That's all our function. We have gifts and talents, and God gives us a function, but the function is ultimately for his vision. The function is for your purpose. Come on, somebody. So we don't go to church and put on the, the, the God hat, and this is the day that we, like, try to help people and make disciples and, and create followers of Jesus. No, no. My family is my ministry. My workplace is my ministry. My neighborhood is my ministry. Everywhere I put my foot, I have a purpose. It's not my Sunday or Wednesday night duty. It is an everyday lifestyle of following after him, living and focusing on this one thing, that I love God with everything, and I win souls and I make disciples. And winning souls and making disciples is only just natural when you're in his presence. It's fruit that just comes from you, but a lot of times we don't know what to do with that fruit. See, the church is a vehicle to help you with your purpose. 
The Bible actually says that Jesus, you can read it in Ephesians 4, but Jesus, he hands out all these gifts. And then for the church, he sets up these evangelists, uh, pastors, and teachers, and prophets to equip the believers for ministry. Isn't that amazing? That the church is for equipping. But we always think, oh, it's the, the worship leader has a ministry or the, the, you know, the dream team has a ministry. The Bible says when you become a believer, you have a ministry. You know where your ministry is? At your house, in your neighborhood, at your workplace. Your ministry is your home, your family. And so how many of you want to make a decision today that I'm going to trust that when I give God my function and when I give God my dream and I begin to give God my focus, he begins to work all things out in me. That is the trust, right? That is, well, what if I let this go? No, God says, I'm going to take care of all that, but you take care of my thing. How many of you know that he is worthy for us to take care of his thing? And to be honest, when we do his thing, God begins to bring out gifts, talents, and abilities that we didn't even know we even had. And so the thing that we don't do, we don't make this legalistic. We don't make this like, well, this is law. You're not doing enough. No, it is saying, can we focus on God and be so in love with him that we naturally, when we're at the grocery store, we're seeing the clerk and we say, you know what? What's your name? And they say their name, and you say, you know what? God's got a plan for your life. And they begin to break down in tears because they are overwhelmed not knowing how to pay the next bill, and their family is in disarray. But someone took the time to be like Jesus, to love somebody, and then all of a sudden they come to church, and you're like, hey, let's get involved. Let's not just be saved, but let's get free. That addiction and those things, that the bondage and the wrong mindsets, let's get free. I'm going to help you do it. Not only that, let's begin to, to do things in the city and let's begin to change the city. Let's begin to live our lives to make a difference where our feet are. You're here for a reason. In this time and in this season, you're here for a reason. Before I ever entered into the ministry, which I never thought I would ever do, when I worked at a steel mill or I worked... Uh, doing landscaping or I worked at wherever that was my ministry I was getting there early praying for the workers there I was getting there early and saying God what do you want to do here yeah it is my work it is my work but this is my ministry how can I be like you today and how can you show your love to others today how many of you want to begin to say I want to have a lifestyle of Christianity man does he deserve it? He deserves it. See, fasting gets us back in this focus. And just for the next 10 minutes, I, I want to I remind you of a, uh, a story in the Bible of a leader that was focused. A leader that was focused. And he literally, because he fasted and prayed, he did in 52 days what several generations tried to do for over a hundred years because he focused and he fasted in 52 days he did what people couldn't do 
over 100 years. I believe the focus that you're going to have on God, the things in your generations and your great-grandparents that they weren't able to break in their family line, you're able to break because you focus and said, I'm going to give God my first. I'm going to seek first his kingdom. And the things that were generationally, you thought you were just born that way, God's going to break it off of your life. It doesn't matter if you grew up in poverty. It doesn't matter if you grew up with addictions. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a broken home. I'm here to tell you that God wants that broken, what couldn't be broken for generations because you focus, God's going to break it in a short amount of time. Do you believe that? Come on, some, some of us, we've had depression in our family. We've had oppression in our family. We've had different things in our family. You're like, I'm just born this way. I just, I'm Italian, so I have fits of rage. <laughs> and I'm just born this way. God is saying, no, no, no. I'm going to begin to break things off of your life that you thought would never break off. That insecurity, always feeling like the outside looking in. When you're talking to somebody, you can't even comprehend what they're saying because you're so self-conscious. God is saying that thing that you dealt with and your grandma dealt with, that insecurity, always feeling, I'm going to break it off your life. That fear where God gives you an idea, but a fear paralyzes you, and you can't step into your destiny. You know that God called you for greater things, but you're stuck. God is saying, I'm going to give you a breakthrough in 22 because you're focusing on my word and his promises. And his promises are yes and amen. Do you believe that? So Israel, at this time... This was about 460 years before Jesus comes on the scene. And Israel at this time was under rule of Persia. And so they ruled over Israel, and, and Nehemiah worked for Persia and worked for the king. He was actually a cupbearer. Now, a cupbearer was one that would fix the king's wine, and it was an important role because, number one, he was making sure that it wasn't poisoned. And number two, he was naturally an advisor for the king. So he had a very important role. He had a very comfortable position. You're in the king's, you're at the king's table. That's a lot of favor, right? And so Nehemiah actually operated in a leadership role. He had a function. He had a gifting but there was one day that he had word about Jerusalem that the walls were broken down and his home was in ruins. And this is what the Bible says, Nehemiah 1.3. I got a lot of scripture here, so if you didn't do your Bible reading, no problem. I got it right here for you. Nehemiah 1.3-4, through 4, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the providence of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. But listen to what he said. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. In this moment of bad news, Nehemiah chose to focus on God. I don't know about you, but we've had two years of bad news. We have highs, we have lows. I would love to tell you, you know what, this year is only going to be a high for you. But the truth is, we all have highs and we all have lows. This is the question, what are you going to run to when you have a low and you have a high? And what Nehemiah did when he heard the bad news, he said, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. 
I just love this about Nehemiah because he didn't whine about it. He didn't complain about it. He said, God, what do you want to do and what do you want to do through me? You know, we hear news all the time about our city. I refuse to talk bad about our city because I believe that God has a plan for this city. As a matter of fact, when you hear bad news about this city, you should ask yourself, God, what do you want to do and what do you want to do through me? Not they should be doing something. The government should. The government's not going to change it. Programs are not going to change it. God's power in you is going to change it. And so I believe that God has a dream to cause broken homes back together. I believe that God has a dream. Did you know that 24% of New Orleans is in poverty? I believe it's only that way because God's going to turn it around and this is going to be a place of prosperity. I believe because there's a remnant that's rising up that says, I, I hear the bad news. I'm not accepting the bad news. I am saying, God, what do you want to do? What is your kingdom wanting to do? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last time I checked, there's no poverty in heaven. Last time I checked, there's no sickness in heaven. Last time I checked, there was, there was not this disunity in heaven. Come on. Heaven's the most diverse place you've ever seen. So should church. Come on, somebody. And God is saying, no, not them and they. I've put you here and your foot is here for this time, for this purpose, for this time. If not you, then who? If not now, then when? Well, I'm not qualified. Join the club. God doesn't look for the qualified. He qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Anybody you see in the Bible that God used, they never thought that they were qualified. How many of you want to begin to see our city change, your neighborhood change, your your family change? Come on, wave at me if you want to see that. I believe that God can do it, and he can do it through you. I want to give you very quickly in the next 10 minutes, so I'm going to talk fast. I want to give you four results from godly focus. This is from Nehemiah. Nehemiah 2, 1 through 3. Early in the spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King uh, Art, Art, help me out here, Art, Artaxerxes, thank you, Rain, I was serving the king his wine, and I never before, I never before appeared sad in his presence. Just pause right there. That says a lot about uh, Nehemiah's um, character. He's never seen sad in the presence of the king. So it tells me something about his attitude. How many of you know that our attitude determines our altitude? I always tell my kids because it's so tempting. You remember when, when you're in school and all the kids are talking about a certain teacher and you kind of get sucked into it too? You want to mock the teacher as well? I always told my kids, listen, don't get sucked into that because your attitude will determine your altitude in that class. And so your character, your character, we see this character in Nehemiah. He has this, this certain attitude that can be trusted. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Wow. The reason why he was nervous about doing this is because you weren't supposed to be sad in the king's presence. But listen to what he did. Because of his fasting and his focus. Look at number one. Focus from fasting produces a lifestyle of faith and boldness. He was bold before the king. 
Focus from fasting produces a lifestyle. Say lifestyle. Of faith and boldness. I believe that God is going to give you faith and boldness, not to just talk about God in church and in these four walls, but everywhere that you go. That you're a billboard for Jesus. You don't have to be a weirdo, but you're, you're, you are showing the love of God everywhere you go. How many of you want to do that? It's your purpose. It's your purpose. And it takes boldness to say, you know what? My function is for my purpose. Building the kingdom is what I do. Building the kingdom of God is what I do. How many of you want to build the kingdom of God? See, you are where you are in purpose. The great thing about purpose is that your function actually gets exciting when you know your purpose. In other words, what you do every day gets exciting because you are believing that every single day you're going to be able to be a part of building God's kingdom. Just like Nehemiah had to build the walls, every day you're going to be a part of building God's kingdom and you're going to feel God's pleasure when you do it. You're going to feel him closely when you do it and you're going to see God begin to do in people what you couldn't do on your own. And so your life becomes this exciting thing. How many of you like fishing in here? Wave at me. The fishermen are fanatics. If you're a fisherman, you love to fish. It is exciting. You're like, what am I going to catch today? If your function is boring, let me tell you, maybe you need to put some purpose on your function because every day you're going fishing. Jesus said, I will make you fishermen, fishers of men. In other words, every person you're looking around and you're saying, who can I touch for God's kingdom today? Who can I show love to today? And then something happened that was extraordinary. The king said, how can I help you? How can I help you? What can I do? And I love Nehemiah because he was like, Number one, I need to be able to go there. Number two, I need letters because I need resources. Number three, can you let me be there for a long time? This is bold. These were bold questions to ask the king. And he was, he was there, and the king was like, it's yours. Let me ask you. This is number two. Focus from fasting produces favor, open doors, and wisdom. Has God given you such a dream that if you had unlimited resources, you would know what to do with it? Because God doesn't only just open doors and give you favor. He'll give you the wisdom on what to do with it. I'm here to tell you today, there are open doors all around you, but when we're not focused, we can't even see it. Your promotion is one divine thing or what your promotion is one divine relationship away. And when you begin to focus on God, God begins to open doors that no man can shut. He begins to give you favor. And I love, I love that he said, give me letters from the king where I can get all the lumber that I need. I can get all the resources that I need. And did you know that your faith is like letters for, from a king? You've got promises that are letters from the king. That's what faith is. The Bible says faith is a title deed. And I believe that God is going to begin to cause you to be focused with faith on what God called you to do, and he is going to catapult you into the destiny that you were born to be in. Do you believe that? But we get distracted. We start out, and we got all these other things. Remember, it's simple. I love God. I love people. I build his kingdom. It's about people. The church, it's a vehicle. We, we're, we, come, in, we come together. We, we encourage each other to keep building his kingdom because God died for us, so we give our lives for him. 
Number three, and Risa, if you can come up, we're going to close. Number three, focus from fasting anoints you for the mission. Nehemiah gathered the Israelites. Nehemiah began to use his gift, and it anointed him. Even Jesus, before he ever started his ministry, Jesus fasted. Before he ever started his ministry, he, was, he fasted, and he prayed, and he was focused. I believe in 2020 or 22, 2022, I believe you're going to be more focused than you've ever been in your life. You're going to be focused on the dream of God for your life. And when you are in your zone, nothing can stop you. You're like, man, I was born for this. God begins to put you in the right place in the right time. You're saying, well, i got to figure out my life. No, you really don't. You really don't. Just focus on God's thing, and he'll make it clear to you. Begin to focus on, i gotta, I got to have a, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 20-year plan. That's all good. I'm all about that. I do that as well. But I'm here to tell you, if you want God's plan, begin to do what God is asking us to do, and he'll make your plan very clear. How many of you believe that? And so when we focus from fasting, it anoints us for the mission. It anoints us. The Bible says that, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he's anointed you. You don't have those gifts, talents, and abilities just because you were just born that way. God gave you gifts, talents, and abilities because he anointed you for a mission. Nehemiah brought people together. And you know what I love about Nehemiah? Not only did he say, you know what, I know I have the gift of leadership and bring people together. You know what he said? He said, I'm going to leave the comfort of the king's table, and I'm going to get down in the broken and in the ruins. Let's not be so comfortable with just our Christian bubble that we don't go down to the hurting. We don't go down to those that are, are going through a lot of pain. If you really want vision, get down. Listen, some of us, listen, your hands should always smell like sheep. What does that mean? God, God wants you to be around those that are hurting, that are lost, that are broken. God wants you to be around those. He, you know, and, and listen. If, it's, if you have temptation being around that, then bring somebody with you to be around that, to be around people that are hurting. But with God, God is close to the brokenhearted. When you actually leave your comfort and go to the brokenhearted, you actually feel God. I can tell you, man, when I go under those bridges with Tiffany and Clarence, and I feel God under there because he's close to the brokenhearted. Your neighbor that seems like he has it all together but is contemplating suicide, and you can tell that he's having a bad day, go get your hands dirty. Get out of the comfort of your home and your agenda. Go get your hands dirty and say, hey, man, how's your day going? Would you like to grab some food? Hey, man, what's going on? See, I believe that God is going to cause us to quit being in the religious routine and begin to be like Jesus because he was down with the broken and those that didn't deserve mercy. The Pharisees didn't want anything to do with that. How about we be a church that loves those that are far away from God? You don't have to have the same um, political belief than me. You don't have to have the same sexual orientation than me. You don't have to be like me, but I'm telling you right now, I want to be close to you even if you're going through a lot because I know that Jesus would be close to you right now. You wouldn't find Jesus off having the the uh, religious party in the middle of a meal Jesus is off finding a woman that 
has been rejected by men by a well her whole life. He left the crowds to go to one that was broken. Aren't you glad that God will leave the 99 and go after the one? How many ones are in your life? I want to encourage you. There are people all around you. The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And God is saying, all I need are some workers that are saying, I will be focused on the harvest. I will be focused on the loss. People need one word of encouragement. People need to say, listen, I'll bring you to church. I will help you. I will make that step with you. Listen, have you ever been in a place and then one phone call changed it all for you? One word of encouragement? You know what we need? We need encouragement right now. And you know, the good news is, if you don't feel like you're worthy, then join the club. Nehemiah had to do that too. There was a group called Tobiah and Symbalat that did not want Nehemiah to do the work. You know what they did? First of all, they begin to say, who are you to do this? Who, what kind of authority do you have to do this? And Nehemiah said, I got papers from the king. And in your life, you know, the enemy would love to say, do you know what you've done? Do you know where you've been? How do you have authority? Who do you think you are? And you need to remind the enemy you're a child of God. You're a king's kid. You've got God's nature on the inside of you. You're not where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be, and you're moving forward towards Jesus. And the enemy wants to nag and nag and nag. And, you know, the next accusation that he had, they had, they begin to make fun and mock what are you doing? What are you doing? You think what you're doing is significant? You think, what, what is this? I'm here to tell you today, whenever you make a seed and you sow a seed, it might seem small, but that little seed can grow into a huge tree. You think it's a little thing for you to witness? You think it's a little thing for you to sow seeds in people? And the enemy will say, that's insignificant. But what the enemy doesn't want you to believe, he wants you to get discouraged and f for you to get off focus, because the Bible says, stay focused, because in due season, the harvest is coming. And I'm here to tell some of you, you've been sowing seed and the harvest is coming. Don't let the enemy cause you to lose faith. He wants to mock you and say, oh, you've given, you've sown, you've loved people. Look at your life now. Listen, don't despise the days of small beginnings. The small thing that you are doing is significant to God. And you keep doing those small things, and God will begin to lead you into the big destiny that he has for you. Symbalat and Tobiah wanted to discourage, wanted to shame. As a matter of fact, they kept writing Nehemiah letters. And I love this picture. Nehemiah's on the wall. How many of you want to get it on the wall of God's kingdom and build his kingdom? Nehemiah's on the wall after these guys threatened him. And they kept saying, come down and talk to us. And he said, he said, I don't have time to get off this work. God has called me to do a great work and rebuild the wall. I don't have enough time to talk to you. And I'm here to tell you today, the enemy's been trying to talk to you over time. you got to quit listening to the enemy because he's trying to get you distracted. He's trying to get you distracted to your destiny. And you got to put the enemy away. you got to begin to say, no, I, my past is over. you got to begin to say, no, the accusation I'm going to begin to speak what God says about me. Some of you, you are so pressured. Listen, you're human, and what God wants you to do is just go to him and get grace. The enemy, he's got a really big bark and no teeth. 
Because of the blood of Jesus, he has redeemed you from all the power of the enemy. He has no right to you. There are not bad things coming your way. You're going to know because you're in the kingdom of God. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You're not expecting bad. You're expecting good. You're expecting God's favor and anointing and open doors. Things to you that seem small to others. You have great faith and you get in a rhythm of building God's kingdom. And finally you find yourself in the place that God called you to be. Come on, I want to I speak to somebody here that says, you know what? I'm ready to get a breakthrough in 22. I'm ready to get a breakthrough in 22. I'm going to be focused this year. Wave at me if you want to be focused this year. Come on, focus on God's dream, not our dream. Focus on his dream and trust that he's going to make our dream come to pass. Do you believe that? Come on, step, stand up right where you are. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, Evan, that sounds good, but... To be honest, I don't even have a relationship with God. Today is the day of salvation. Don't try to get it all together and come to God. Come to God and he'll get it all together. And God's calling some of you right now. And even some of you, your, your heart's beating fast because you're like, I know this is time. I need a relationship with God. You might feel nervous. Listen. God is welcoming you right now to come into his, his house, his kingdom. There are people in this room right now, he's just saying, I want you to surrender. Try to, quit trying to live your own life. And let me help you. Let me be your savior. If that's you today and you want to say, you know what, today I want to make a decision at the beginning of 2022 that I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm tired of living this life on my own. I'm ready to give him my all. If that's you today, as we close our eyes and bow our head and the worship team comes up, we're going to begin to pray this together. If that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus, pray this with me. Say, Jesus, come on out loud, out loud. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me and that you rose again. I ask you to come into my life. Change me. I want a relationship with you. From this day forward, I make you my Savior and my Lord. With nobody looking around. The Bible says that if you prayed that prayer, your sins are as far as the east is to the west. They're no more. Today, he's given you a new slate. His mercies are new every morning. When you said that prayer today, your sins are erased. They're no more. And the Bible says that he makes you a new creation. All old things have passed away and all things become new. And if you said that prayer today with nobody looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you. If you said that prayer today with every eye closed and head bowed, can you just lift up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. Just slip up your hand so I know how to pray for you. You say, today, I want to give my life to God. I see your hand. I see your hand. God bless you. Say, today, I, I, want to, I want to surrender to him. I want to give my life to Jesus. Come on, just lift your hand or even online. If you say, you know what, today, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to begin to live my life on purpose. I believe today that God is breaking chains, and today, God is setting free. I want to encourage you, those that said, you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want, you, I want to encourage you to get plugged in. I want you to get in relationship and, and don't do life alone. Have somebody, somebody to take you under their wing because we're not born 
to do this alone. We're better together. Now, those of you that say, you know what? I want to be focused. I want to be focused. I want to be focused on God's thing. I believe you're going to come into faith and you're going to visualize this year God beginning to open doors in your life and God beginning to work in your life and you being focused on him and on what he's doing and promotion and grace begins to cover your life. If that's you today, can you just lift your hands right where you are? Come on, just lift your hands and you say, today I want to begin to be focused. Just lift your hands and say, I need God's grace to be focused on him and his plan. Be focused on him and his dream. Come on, if you've been overwhelmed or distracted, not knowing how to do it, I'm going to pray for you today, and I believe that God is going to begin to give you a breakthrough in 2022. Lord, I thank you for everybody that lifted their hand. I thank you that this is the start of a breakthrough in their life, Lord. I thank you because of the blood that they sh that you shed, Lord, that you delivered them from the power of the enemy. Because of the blood that you shed, all their sins are forgiven. Because of the blood that you shed, they are cleansed. They are justified. And Lord, right now, I thank you, Lord, that you're giving them a vision and then you're giving them a passion for your kingdom, that they begin to see lives all around them and they begin to say, God, I believe that these broken lives can be whole. God, use me. Use me. Come on, right where you are, under your breath, say, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. Use me for your purpose. <laughs>